1: And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Ben Affleck Batman to my Robert Pattinson Batman.
0: It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm very good. I presume you've seen the latest Batman, if we're yes. using those references.
1: Yes, I uh, watched it the other day. It was um, surprisingly very, very, very good. Have you seen
0: it? I Yeah, I went to see it on Sunday, Sunday night, and I absolutely loved it. It was yeah. a brilliant film
1: yeah i don't want to get too carried away i don't (laughs) think it's too far off the dark knight you know i I, that is an outrageous claim but i honestly think it was that good
0: i yeah i mean i I grew up watching michael keaton as batman so i'd have him in like my top tier and then christian bale but i robert patterson as batman was is ruling them very very close it was a really good film and not a superhero film which is absolutely ideal for batman yeah
1: we're not sponsored by Batman Um, let's just make sure that's clear but honestly if you haven't seen it highly recommend it. It was very, very good. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Batman and Man. other superheroes, Justin. We're talking <laughs> about the superheroes of the second tier because this, this this, is the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We have had a dynamite round of games for midweek, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, some of the goals scored were just outrageous. But then in terms of the games, we had some great games. But in terms of what the results actually mean to the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things in the championship... A lot of foundations have been rocked by the set of results we've had in midweek, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll go through the handful of games we've got in midweek, talk about some of the news from the championship over the past few days, and then we'll finish off with the Craig Bryson pub quiz right at the end. But before we get underway, dear listener, let me tell you about our friends at FansBet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. You can get a terrific welcome offer of bet £10, get £30 plus 10 free spins – When you sign up, using the link in the description of this podcast. UK mobile registrations only. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site. 18 plus. Please do gamble responsibly. Visit BeGambleAware.org for more info. And do also check out FansBet Responsible Gambling Tools. Now let's begin with the race for automatic promotion. Bournemouth won. Peterborough won. Only the third time this season, Peterborough have played an away game and not lost. And... (laughs) Grant McCann said he was disappointed just to get a point from this game and he's got every right to hasn't he Justin because Posh were very impressive here Bournemouth definitely not
0: yeah uh, you've got to give yeah uh, you've got to give all the credit to Peterborough um for this game they they took the game to Bournemouth um and they smelt they smelt something they smelt fear they they smelt uh, a rocky yeah a rocky patch coming coming onto Bournemouth um it was a really, really good performance from Peter Bray. There was a there's a spell in the second half that I was particularly impressed with. The fact that Bournemouth were pinned back. Um I think the only criticism I'd have at Peter Bray in that 30 minute spell was they lacked sort of that clinical and confidence edge going into the final third, but they, they were really, really good and they pinned Bournemouth back for really long spells. Um and hats off to Peter Bray, it's probably the the best I've seen them play this season to be honest with you, I was really, really impressed with them. Sammy Schmerdix was 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 top notch. The defence were organised, which <laughs> how many times have we said that this season for Peterborough? Um yeah, I didn't I didn't feel that Peterborough in any danger of conceding the winner at all, especially in the second half. It was a really good performance from them. Yeah, and
1: it's remarkable you say that, Justin, considering Bournemouth had twenty two shots, but only had <laughs> two on target. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll we'll talk about Bournemouth in a sec, but I completely agree with you. Fair play to here. This was a battling performance. One of the best I've seen from them this season. Totally agree with that. And if they do go down, then this is the kind of performance that you'd like to see from them for the rest of the season because it will Mm -hmm. stand them in very good stead for next season. But let's talk about Bournemouth. Their fans booed them at half-time, at full-time, I should say. I don't know if they booed them at half-time, but they may very well have. Um, Just scrolling through Bournemouth's Twitter last night, I I struggle to recall a fan base which has had such a meltdown as Bournemouth fans are having right now when the club is still firmly in the driving seat for promotion because they are, aren't they? They are in uh, in the driving seat for promotion, Mm -hmm. but you could argue that the seatbelt may have flung off after this.
0: Yeah, they are in the driving seat. They've got the game in uh, the games in hand. They obviously, they're, they're back in the top two as well. Um, but it's performances like that that throw doubt towards everyone, that throw doubt into everyone's minds. It, the performance of the weekend put doubt in my mind um, as to whether or not Bournemouth have the credentials to finish in the top two. I got a lot of stick for it from, from Bournemouth fans. But that performance last night was a very nice summary of what I've been talking about. Conceding good chances, relying on individuals to bail them out, the pace in this game from Bournemouth was painfully slow, and no disrespect to Peterborough, you're playing against Bournemouth, the league. Where was the urgency in the second half to, to get the ball forwards? There was a moment where Philip Billing passed the ball back to Lloyd Kelly, and I think it got quite a few groans where he could have switched the ball to Todd Campwell There was just absolutely no pace from the Bournemouth team, and I think Scott Parker said that. But at the same time, I think I think the players are victim to to Scott Parker's style of play as well. It was a, it was a dreadful performance and you want to be playing Bournemouth and you want to goop before you play them. Um, you're not, are you? you? You're looking forward to it at the moment because they are looking weak.
1: Well, the thing is, Justin, the thing is we we were saying on shun- Sunday show, weren't we, that e- even though uh, you were talking about whether the loss to Preston has opened up the race for the top two, I pointed out that Bournemouth's next three games after that game were Peterborough, Derby and Reading all at home. That should be nine points. Well, Peterborough... Is the least difficult of those games, and they have fluffed it already, haven't they? I, I get mm-hmm. the sense that the Bournemouth players are feeling the pressure.
0: Hmm. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily pressure. I think it is style of play. I think. I think as well, some of them probably are a little bit out of form. I think you look at Solanke I think there was a point where he passed it out of play. Um, he wasn't really in the game. He was coming really deep for the ball. But at the same time, if you're playing pedestrian football, your players are going to come searching for the ball because they're not getting it at, at the top end of the pitch. Um, and then you look at the selection as well. Ethan Laird didn't get in the team, and Scott Parker cited that he needs more time to get used to the system. Well, for starters, Ethan Laird was one of the most consistent right-wing backs in the league for Swansea in the first half of the season. Granted, he's had an injury and joined a new team, but Jaden Nanty was selected at right-wing back or right-back for this game, and um, Leif Davis wasn't playing at, at left-wing back either, and Ethan Laird could have played there. So there's, there's, there's a lot of issues. Style of play and selection are, are just two of them. And confidence, I don't think, is a factor here.
1: They've got Derby at the weekend. Derby's away record is poor. Yep. But we all know what Ray side are like. Their fans sing they'll fight to the end for a reason. And I think Bournemouth will definitely find that come this weekend. And Derby at the point where they've got nothing to lose, have they? So they'll have a mm-hmm. go. And I think that they've also got quite a good record against Bournemouth as well. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a squeaky bum time for Bournemouth at the moment, isn't it? In the Chris Wilder derby, it finished Sheffield United four, Middlesbrough one. You were saying on just on Sunday, Justin, that you weren't too impressed with Sheffield United's last three games. Surely you're impressed with them here, weren't you?
0: I hundred percent. Yeah, they 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 really yeah put the boot boot to me, didn't they? Not like they're probably listening, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, that was the type of performance that justifies, not justifies, but you can then excuse the last three games because they haven't been dropping too many points over the last three games. Um, and they and they go away or they go home and uh, beat a playoff rival so convincingly like that, um, it, yeah, they they answer the critics. Um, and they did it really well. The Bournemouth, were really, uh, sorry, Bournemouth were really poor, but Sheffield United were at their creative best here. They were defensively good, and it almost felt like they out-Chris Chris Wilder in this game. That's what it felt like.
1: I think Morgan Gibbs-White was sensational. The goal he scored with the little flick was unbelievable <laughs> in itself, but Middlesbrough just couldn't cope with him. And when he's on form... Like he was here, it's frightening how good he was. Without a doubt, for me, one of the best players in the Championship. But elsewhere, Sander Berger was great. He's finally been showing how good a player is in the last few weeks. Billy Sharp, superb as well. It was a statement win in the way that other promotion-chasing sides will look at that and go, fair play, you lot are quite good if they didn't know already. The question is, Justin, we talk about Bournemouth and how they're doing um, everything they can to make the automatic promotion race as interesting as possible. Could Sheffield United be the side that takes advantage of that?
0: It's, it's something that we've deliberated for ages, isn't it? We've been going in between, uh, I and I ring as to whether or not Sheffield United can make the impact. But I'm just looking at the league table now. They are five points off Bournemouth. I thought their gap was a lot bigger than that. And obviously Bournemouth have got two games in hand on them. So I think if you're looking at playing squad, He'll say yes they could they could make that um they could make that splash because the only thing you you can put against Huddersfield is the strength in depth Chevrolet United have got that so I don't see why not but at the same time can you discount Blackburn as well if they put together another run of form they're in a similar position to Chevrolet United and actually a point better off so yeah I think Paul must poor form has opened it up definitely especially to to like Chevrolet United Luton probably a bit too far away for them and QPR as well
1: I think Sheffield United are definitely the team most likely if there is a race for the top two. When you've got a player like Morgan Gibbs-White, that's always a good start because he's sensational on his own. And if he stays 100% (coughs) fit for the remainder of the season then he'll definitely run it close anyway. Um, But it's not just him. Burgess has been excellent recently. Defensively they've been excellent as well. Four goals conceded in 11 games. They're a phenomenal side and I thought they were nailed on for the top six prior to this game anyway and If they are in the playoffs, they'll no doubt be the favourites with the bookies and probably a lot of championship pundits as well. Top two, as we keep saying, Bournemouth are still obviously in the driving seat, but with their tricky remaining games, I I can see Sheffield United definitely running it close at the very least. Chris Wilder was not a happy bunny after this game, Justin. Of course, going back to Bramall Lane and losing like this is uh, never going to particularly please him is it he said not one player came out with any credit from this game in his eyes Um, their away form is a big concern for them there isn't it eight straight home wins but one point from five away games and that's not the kind of form that will get you
0: into the playoffs (laughs) is it no it isn't. Um if anything's gonna be their doing in terms of getting into the playoffs, it's gonna be their away form, isn't it? They've they've lost a little bit of consistency as well. Just look at the last six games, it's literally win loss, win loss, win loss. Um, so they've there's a lot that needs to be uh, rectified by Chris Wilde. I always thought that this season might be it was season too soon for, for Borough and it might be playing out like that, but there's still a lot of time to go to turn that around. But it, there's a lot to do, um, especially away from home if they are going to do that. And and looking at this game in isolation, it was a sloppy, lethargic display, so similar to the Barnsley game, actually. Um, the the, the three, first three goals from Sheffield United were all painfully avoidable not sure what London is doing for the first Billy Sharp's unmarked for his and Jack Robinson's unmarked for his goal as well so just really poor defending to let them down in this one and it's that's, that sort of standard has started to seep into the form of late for Borough and Mulder
1: The defence has not been a problem, has it, really, at all since Wilder's come in. So I was, Mm. the same as you, shocked by how poor they were defensively. I I, I still fancy them to get into the top six, but I would say that they're probably one of many playoff chasing sides right now whose chances of getting in the top six are 50-50. And Mm. it could swing either way for quite a few teams. Borough, one of those teams in particular. One positive from this game is, following Balligan, got his first Borough goal, his lone move, Hasn't exactly gone to plan so far, but it would be a great time for that to turn around right now, just as Borough looked like yeah. they having a bit of a wobble. Fulham are now 14 points clear of second place after smashing Swansea 5-1. Majestic, glorious, spellbinding. Any other words you want to throw in to describe this Fulham win, Justin?
0: Borderline arrogant, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like we, we said all we need to say about Fulham. Now it's just now they're just showing off. It's just arrogance. Not a fan of it. They should be expelled from the league. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. <laughs> Nico Williams got two. The second one was a real beauty, wasn't it? Flicks it up and volleys it into the top corner from the edge of the box. Even the Swansea fans were clapping it. Mm -hmm. Ignoring the screamer and nearly scoring from the halfway line at the weekend, I've been asking myself the same question every time I've seen Nico Williams in a Fulham shirt. Why is this man playing championship football? Because he is clearly way too good for the second tier.
0: Yeah, it is a strange one, isn't it? I was surprised when he was linked with a move because he was linked with a move to Bournemouth at first and then then Fulham swooped in on transfer deadline day. So I was really surprised to see those links because even when he'd been playing for Liverpool, I know he's surrounded by world-class players, but he's always looked fairly comfortable in the Premier League. So yeah, for him to not be able to get a move to somewhere in the in the Prem or a top league uh, throughout Europe is a surprise. But that's, that's Fulham's gain, isn't it? Because they've got a top, top class... Right back, who's still got a lot of um, a lot to go in terms of his development, a long way to go. Sorry, Um, and his performances of late have been absolutely spectacular. He didn't think this Fulham team could improve, but probably right wing back or right back was one of the areas where they looked weaker going forwards. But now they've got Nico Williams in; it's a complete set. It is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, he's very Trent Alexander Arnold esque in the way that he's able to dictate the game from right back, Mm. and you have got to be a seriously good player to do that and he clearly is I, I don't know what the details of the loan are with regards to him going back to fulham next season but that'll be a great first step for them in the premier league if they do manage to get him back to Craven yeah. cottage next season mitrovic scored again 35 goals now he's got 11 games to break guy whittingham's modern day second tier record of 42 so seven goals in 11 games Say what you want with that. Very doable. In twenty twenty two, Fulham have won ten of their twelve games, which is just a mind blowing record, Justin. Just pointing this out, it's still mathematically possible for them to break Reading's points record. One hundred and six. If they win every game from now until the end of the season, they'll have one hundred and nine.
0: Justin? I I said at the start of the season, or a couple of games into the season, that they'll break Reading's record, and then they started to have, I think they lost to Blackpool, and they started to have a little bit of a wobble, um, and it took them a while to get going again, but now you mentioned that, the mass is on, I think they can do it, I think they can do it. Well, as I say, they've won
1: 10 of their 12 games in 2022, if they just slightly do better than that in the next, what is it, 11 games 11. or however, then they'll do it, won't they? So... Hmm. I if Red- I know Reading fans are very protective about that record and yep. if they lose that record and get relegated this season they'll be absolutely gutted but um, he, I think they'll definitely run it close without a doubt yeah. and as usual Justin what can we say about Fulham's opponents in any game that they have you've just got to accept that they're very good haven't you and it's not really any different for Swansea here strange stat from this game this is the first time this season that Swansea have scored from a set piece And they do it against the team who have had the best record for defending set pieces this season. With 10 men. Yeah, all right then. Um, Luton remain in the top six after a 1-0 win away at Coventry. By no means a classic of a game, but now Luton have got their teeth into a playoff place. And it looks as if it's going to take some doing to make them let go of it again, Justin.
0: Yeah, Luton have got this habit to grind some games out, which is... A really good bias to have, I don't think they're going to particularly blow too too many teams away. But like we said with Luton all season, they will they will work hard, they will outfight fight you. That that will be their aim, and they do that really really well. And I think in this game, they, they've come up against a Coventry team in, in in decent form, and they they've shut them out essentially. And Luton's efficiency defensively has won them this game. And it, you know Tuesday night away from home. Um, it's always going to be a difficult one, especially at this stage in the season. So to be able to grind those wins out, get a clean sheet, your your star striker scores as well. Yeah, very, very positive night for Luton. Obviously, it keeps them in the playoffs.
1: I think the most impressive thing for Luton is how they just completely shut Coventry down. After the goal, Coventry didn't really have a sniff. Alex Palmer had to make a good save near the end of the game, to be fair, but... That was just about it, and Coventry were mostly restricted to half chances. Elijah Adebayo got his 13th goal of the season, a very nicely taken goal. He's having a great campaign in general, isn't he? But Mm -hmm. four wins in five now for Luton. Just pointing out there, Luton five points off second. The second most points won in the division in 2022. No further comment for myself at this time. Um, If
0: Coventry's playoff
1: hopes weren't over before, they are now, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they probably are. I think this again. This this is a game that highlights the a bit of imbalance in the squad. To be honest with you, you look at if if, if Victor Guayares, for example, isn't in form, then you've got to rely on Matty Godden. But his fitness has been an issue this season, which you spoke about in Sunday's episode. Kalem O'Hare, if he's missing, have they got another number 10 who can make an impact like him, they don't. So there's a lot that needs to be done in the summer. I don't think there's a massive gap that Coventry need to bridge to be able to compete to get into the playoffs. I don't think they're that far away. They just need a bit of quality adding, but at the same time, it's something that's going to be very difficult to do with their budget. Um, but yeah, you're right. This was a game that probably ended their playoff hopes, but... As I say, it's been a really good campaign from Coventry. And I think that's impressed me most about them this season is not necessarily how they create chances. They've been very good creatively, actually. One of their their best teams in terms of creating chances this season, um, just slightly underperforming in front of goal. But their defensive efficiency is is brilliant. They're they're a very good defensive team, which goes unnoticed.
1: Yeah, I really want to emphasise that point that even though it looks like Coventry's season is all but over... It has still been a great, great season for them. After starting so well and falling away, it's very easy to forget how much progress they have made yeah. this season. Because most Championship pundits, like ourselves, had Coventry in or around the relegation zone at the start of the season, didn't they? And I don't think many fans were expecting anything more than a season where they stay clear of a relegation battle at, you know, at the highest point. But right now, a top-half finish looks to be on the cards. I mean, they're, they're above weight West Brom just in. Whose wage bill must be gigantic next to Coventry? <laughs> so, I hope the fans are buzzing with this season, no matter how it ends. Uh, Mark Robbins is building something great, they've got a good group of players, and then you've also got the likes of Tavares coming through, which stands them in good stead for next season. So,
0: yeah,
1: it, it's it, they're, they're treading a path that's very similar to what Luton have trod in the past, haven't they, where they've worked their way up the division, mm-hmm. had it stay up in your first season, finish mid-table, your second season. You only have to look at how they're doing this season to know what's possible for Coventry next season. So yeah. there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic if you're a Coventry fan. A ninety-fourth minute equaliser from Lewis Baker denied Barnsley a massive win over Stoke, one all it finished. The place to start here, Justin, is Domingos Quina's goal. How he's managed to dribble from one corner of the box to the other is strange but let's not take anything away here what a strike that was
0: oh beautiful goal beautiful goal and expect nothing less from from Queen I've, I've really enjoyed his own spell so far um and he's it, he's probably being a little let down by his teammates a little bit they're, they're relying on him a little bit too much to be the creative spark and they've got good players in that forward line they, they all need to start contributing cause if they do they they'd have um, they'd have seen that game out yesterday uh, or got another to kill the game off um, and for, as for Keena, Quina I really want to see him playing regular football next season For whether that's Watford um, in the Championship or in the Premier League or uh, another loan spell because he's got so much quality Bosley were really pouring a defeat on Saturday against Derby but Queener was by far head and shoulders
1: above the rest he was brilliant I think we've mentioned this every time we've spoken about Queen, but how did Barnsley get him? Because he is, he is quite clearly a standard above every mm-hmm. other player they've got in that team. He is a magical player. Um, and this goal just emphasises everything that he's been about so far this season. But Stoke were dominant. They didn't create anything particularly substantial, though. They really struggled to break Barnsley down. But Lewis Baker's equaliser was deserved. He's quite fondly remembered by Reading fans and I imagine that's even more so after this goal. Barnsley could have really done with that three points, couldn't they? Especially since they've got Fulham at the weekend where you're ultimately just heading into that game trying to keep the score down, but three points here would have been massive, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the level on points with Derby at the moment with the game in hand uh, and just five off Reading, so you know, that the extra two points really could have um, really could have helped. And as well as that, gives them the confidence they need keeping that clean sheet and, and seeing the game out, as you say. It's a really good opportunity for Barsi to, to, to gather some momentum, but conceding late goals, they hurt they hurt a lot. So it'll be interesting to see how they react on Saturday.
1: Nick Powell's been ruled out for six weeks after getting injured at the weekend for Stoke. There's only about eight weeks left of the season, so that's just about it for him and Stoke now. They've had some rotten luck with injuries this season, haven't they? The, the, the number yeah. of times they've had key players get injured. I mean, think about it. Who are Stoke's three best players? Justin, Suter, Campbell, Powell. Mm. All three of them have missed multiple months of the season, and I don't think any of them have been all fit at the same time. So, yeah, it's it's crippling, and people will point the finger at Michael O'Neill. We'll probably have a longer conversation about that at some point, Justin. But the injury Mm. problems certainly haven't helped. And the final game for midweek is Blackburn nil, Millwall nil. Millwall didn't have a single shot in this game. Can't recall the last time I saw that, and for it to happen to a team who's just won five on the trot as well, is very odd. Um, but millwall defended well, despite their non-existent attack. They've only conceded one goal in five games, and I think, as points go, this is quite a good one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, fair play to the Millwall fans travelling up there for your team not to create anything, like even just thirty yards out, just have a literally pop. nothing. Literally nothing. I think they recorded zero xg, didn't they? As well, which that, for that the data, happens
1: when you don't have a shot.
0: Yeah, for the data nerds out there, that is that means you've not even got into the box. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best display, and I think it could have been a different game as well had the referee spotted the most penalty penalty I've seen this season on Joe Rothwell from Alex Pearce. But you know, it's just, that's the EFRS. But yeah, it was, it was a good another good clean sheet for Millwall, and it puts them keeps them in the hunt for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, the winning ring the winning run wasn't going to last forever, was it? But if they can stay defensively solid from now until the end of the season mill will definitely have a, a shout for the top six Blackburn's misfortune in front of goal is very concerning three goals scored in 12 games now it's gone from a cause for concern to a very very big
0: problem yeah yeah I think the most the most worrying thing about this is they are still creating opportunities for players they are still putting players in positions but they're not putting those chances away and West Brom we we laid into West Brom earlier in the season for that underperformance in front of goal, um, and look look where it's where it's um, put them in the table. They're thirteenth now, and I'm not saying Blackburn are going to drop that far, but the penny has to drop at some point for the players because the the season could unravel because they're not putting chances away. Um, I think Sam Gallagher had two really good opportunities. One in the first half where he's headed wide from about four or five yards. I think Tony Mowbray even. Looks to the skies at that point, and there's another another um, header at the back post which he decided to square rather than put in challenge um, to the keeper essentially. Um, so, yeah, it's bad decision making not being clean and clean off it. That's what's letting Blackburn down. Well, I was
1: having a look at their goal conversion rate from December time, and at that point, they were 14th for expected goals created, but second for actual goals scored. So, the conversion rate was through the roof, which was by in large part mm-hmm. down to Brereton Diaz and him being able to finish off half chances. Um, since then, the conversion rate has evened out and that does tend to happen with sides who aren't consistently creating large amounts of chances per game and I think that's what we're seeing. Now, whether having a fit Brereton Diaz would have made a huge amount of difference, I'm not sure because mm-hmm. even his conversion rate was astonishing to the point of being almost unsustainable. And Now, Blackburn are in a diff- difficult position where... They're not creating a huge amount of chances and the conversion rate has plummeted. They're, 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 they're creating probably like one good chance a game, aren't they? But not, you know, an, an overwhelming yeah. amount of chances. And yeah. looking at the data side of things, they've only had one game this calendar year where their expected goals have been over one and a half goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an issue. And obviously putting them away is becoming a real, real pain for them. and Diaz has hoped to be back after the international break although I've seen a bit of a kerfuffle between Blackburn and Chile over whether they're <laughs> calling up for the World Cup qualifiers Bradley Dax meant to be back as well they need him to hit the ground running yeah. because if not if Blackburn don't sort out this goal scoring problem soon they won't get in the playoffs I think that's simple as that however as we're pointing out so I was having to look at the uh, fixture difficulty for each side and working out the positions that each team are in and Blackburn have got by far the easiest run of all the playoff slash promotion chasing sides so hopefully that should stand them in good stead. Justin let's have a quick break after that we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days and then finish off with the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Hello there, guys. It's Ryan. I'm just checking in to tell you about the second-tier betting show, which is where myself and tipster Jimmy the Punt pick out our best bets in the Championship each weekend. We've been doing it since the start of the season and have made a tasty little profit in that time with winners at prices as big as 25 to 1. We have a new episode out every Thursday and Monday if there's a full round of midweek games. So if you enjoy having a flutter on the Championship... Why not give it a listen? Search Second Tier Betting on your favourite podcast platform. Welcome back to the Second Tier podcast. Now, during this show, we need to watch as much championship football as humanly possible, which can be difficult when games aren't on the telly. But, Justin, my dear friend, there is a solution.
0: What is the solution, Ryan? NordVPN. Have you heard of it? I don't think I have heard of it. What is NordVPN, Ryan?
1: Oh, surely you should know about it by now, Justin. It's the service with so many benefits. Say you're at home and... Want to watch your club play? Well, NordVPN lets you change your virtual location so you can watch it on iFollow or whatever your club's streaming platform is called. But it's not just football. Had enough of scrolling through the same films and TV shows on Netflix? Well, you can change your location and get access to American Netflix or Canadian Netflix or Zimbabwean Netflix and watch all the content on there that isn't available on the UK version. Also, if you had NordVPN on your phone, tablet or laptop it helps protect you from naughty hackers when you're on public unsecure wi-fi so grab your exclusive nordvpn deal by heading to nordvpn.com and using the code second to get a huge discount off your nordvpn plan plus one additional month for free and a bonus gift it's completely risk-free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee it costs less than a meal deal so it's an absolute bargain have a look for yourself right now right now it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news and Barnsley have reported Reading to the EFL, according to The Athletic. They say the Royals have a competitive advantage over them because of its breaches with the rules around profitability and sustainability. Reading were docked six points earlier in the season for breaching those rules, but Barnsley Chief Exec Khaled el Ahmad says, We are keen to avoid a similar situation to that which Wiccan Wanderers currently find themselves in with Derby County, whereby we are forced to take legal action if sanctions are applied in a non-coterminous period where the continuous and sustained breach of regulations occurred. It seems, Justin, that the... Derby-Wickham legal battle has opened numerous things. The door to similar legal action, the can of worms, Pandora's box. So many things have been opened. But what what have you made of uh, Barnsley's
0: claim? I, I don't agree with it. Um, I don't. I didn't agree with Borough or Wickham's claims against Derby either. I don't agree with Barnes's claim against Reading, um, mainly because for my money, Reading have had their punishment because of their rule breaches. They, they're they're still serving their punishment under their business plan, um, and that's the end of the matter for me. Obviously, if they do breach um, the, the business plan, then absolutely they should they should face the sanctions. But unfortunately, this is a result of passive. Governance from the AFL, all they had to do was put their foot down for Borough and Wickham, and none of this would be an issue. Um, All they had to do was ensure that their profit and sustainability rules were solid and watertight, and this wouldn't be an issue. Yet we're here now um, with this situation, and unfortunately, we're we're going to see possible more uh, more legal action, possibly more legal action um, unfolding. Uh, which t- detracts from the good football that the Championship put out. Uh, it makes the league look amateur, to be honest with you. Hmm.
1: I don't think Barnsley have got a leg to stand on. If they go down this season, it won't be because of the spending power to other clubs. It'll be because they've been crap for nine-tenths of the season. Yeah. Not not even nine-tenths, actually. It's more like 19 twentieths. The only reason Barnsley have got any hope of staying up is because... Two teams have already been punished and I don't think any Barnsley fan will deny that they deserve to go down this season based on what we've seen so far. The EFL has got to stand firm here, otherwise this is going to happen every season and it's going to set a precedent for it to be happening all the time and it could end up leading to clubs suing referees for getting a decision wrong unless the FL sets an example now. So 100% the EFL needs to stand firm and Tell Barnsley just get on with it. Um, it wasn't, you know, Reading who, you know, lost half their back, lost half of Barnsley's backroom yeah. staff at the start yeah, of the yeah, season, yeah. and um, got rid of two of their best players as well. So yeah, it's it's it. It seems like they're just trying to grasp at as many straws as possible, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with it. It's worth pointing out that Reading fans have made a really good argument against the the sanctions or possible sanctions is that they've hired Paul Lintz Uh, to balance out the competitiveness. So make of that what you will. I don't think Barnsley can go after Reading after hiring Paul Lintz. So there we go. No (laughs) comments. Danny Simpson has left Bristol City. His contract
1: has been mutually cancelled after making just eight appearances this season. Brilliant news for Coventry fans. Gustavo Harmer has signed a new deal at the club to keep him there until 2024. His old contract was set to expire in 2023 amid interest from elsewhere. The Harmer Badger is one of my favourite players in the division, Justin, purely because it's just so rare for a player to be so elegant on the ball but so vicious off it.
0: Yeah, he's 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 really nice balance, isn't he? And, I think he set a very high standard for himself in his first season, last season, and this season. I don't know if he's met the same standards or he's just gone under the radar because of other players have been really, really good. But nonetheless, the, the growing interest in him um, is, is a good sign. It's a good sign for him. It's a good sign for Coventry because they're becoming this this team that, develops players that improves them and and possibly might sell them on there might be a decent release clause in there that means Coventry get a fair whack and obviously the value of that player is protected as well so it's good news for everybody and yeah he's, he's he's a very good player a very very good player and one that is well liked especially if they are yeah a bit bitey off the ball and good with it Blackpool defender Marvin Ekpateta has also signed a new deal until
1: 2024. Something we spoke about very recently, Justin. Something mm. we haven't mentioned with him is his rise through the divisions. 2019 was his first year at Football League <clears> level <throat> at the age of 24. Prior to that, he had spent most of his career not even playing National League level. It was the tier below that. But next season, assuming he's in the Championship, that will be the first season that he's had in the same division as the year before in five years. He's moved up a division each time since then, so pretty remarkable. And he's the kind of player who you can give an example to from a, a National League perspective mm-hmm. and say, look at what these players have achieved. Um, Ek Pateta is one of those who is a shining example, isn't he? The FL has suspended the broadcast of its feeds in Russia. It's in response to the invasion of Ukraine. The Premier League has done similar as well. Continuing with that theme, according to Sky Sports, Forrest won the EFL to lobby FIFA so that players contracted to Russian clubs can walk away from their contracts. Forrest say that they don't have any players they specifically want to sign, but feel it is an important matter of principle. Um, Interesting. Don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, Justin.
0: Yeah, it is is correct. I mean, players should be able to leave... um, I just don't think Forrest are doing it without the knowledge of possibly signing one or two players from over there. Um, they might have their eye on a couple of players, but nonetheless, yeah, they, they are right. I just don't know why Forrest are leading the, the leading the charge uh, mm-hmm. to FIFA on this, not anybody else like lawyers.
1: Yeah, yeah or, you know, the EFL in general or FIFA <laughs> yeah. for that matter, Um transfer rumour time Birmingham Live says Keenan Davis is really enjoying his time at Forest and Villa are keen to sell him a deal will be done in the summer if all parties agree to it you're a fan aren't you Petey Boy I'm, I'm assuming you'd love mm-hmm. to see him at, a, at the City Ground permanently next season
0: yeah I, th- I think we have a lot of players who spend a lot of loan spells away from clubs it's nice to see them end up somewhere and be able to flourish. And Keenan Davis has been brilliant. Not a prolific goal scorer, but what he adds to that front line at Forest is invaluable. He's, he's a really top, top player, still very young. And physically, he looks incredibly difficult to defend against. Arsenal struggled with him. Leicester struggled with him. Um, and, and Liverpool might struggle with him in the next round of the FA Cup. Uh, he's a very good player and he's tested for the Premier League. I'm hoping that Villa don't ask for an
1: extortionate amount of Probably money will. for him. Yeah, that, that's that's my only fear with it and I can't imagine his wages are particularly cheap as well because he's been at Villa for so long yeah. and has played a handful of games in the first team that I fear that if his wages are as big as I fear and Villa ask him for a decent amount for a transfer fee... Mm-hmm. then Forrest may be priced out of it. But we'll see. I'm I'm the same as you. I'd like to see him in a Forrest shirt again next season. And finally, Bristol City's deal with its main shirt sponsor is set to come to an end on March 31st. It's after MansionBet announced that its betting brand will cease trading. The bizarre bit about this story is Bristol City will continue to wear the MansionBet logo on their shirts for the remainder of the season. So they'll be advertising a defunct betting company
0: in the last two months of the season, Justin. Oh, if it ends, you may as well just donate the space to a local charity, potentially. I don't know. Um, that makes a lot more sense to me than, yeah, advertising uh, a brand that doesn't exist or a sub-brand that doesn't exist anymore. Very Believe weird. it or not, that is exactly what Bristol City fans have been
1: saying. So, yeah, I'm not sure what the thinking is behind that decision or just make it something funny,
0: at the very least. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something funny now off the top of my head. I don't know, yeah. like the 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 bridge, the cliff. The, is it the Clifton bridge? I don't know something to do with that. Oh, what or would maybe that be just, funny? I don't know. I'm trying to. You put me on the spot here. I don't know. So you didn't have to come up with anything. No, I didn't. I don't know. Maybe Fumoir Jeju. Like let's let's throw it back to Fumoir Oh, I would
1: love Fumoir Jeju's face just to be plastered <laughs> on the front of uh, the commentary shirt. Uh, commentary shirt. Where? It... God, this this has gone off rails, hasn't it? Right, now it's time for this. (laughs) All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Indeed it is, Mr Bartender. This is a game where Justin and I try to guess a mystery championship legend. This week, it's Justin's turn to give me six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. I've just got to guess who it is. The score is 11-9 to myself. Time is running out for Justin Peach to turn it around, but... I get the feeling you're going to really stitch me up with either the most obscure player in the world or you're going to give me some really crap clues.
0: These, these clues are good and it, this player is not obscure if you know your championship. So there we go. That's, okay. where, that's what we're doing today.
1: Well, I'll, 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 I'll hold you to that in two, three minutes time. Uh, first clue please, Justin.
0: I made 234 appearances scoring 39 goals.
1: Okay, that sounds like a midfielder. I will go with Paul Anderson.
0: That is not Paul Anderson. I
1: thought for a moment, the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, it's not, it's not Paul Anderson. Uh, I started my career in non-league before getting a chance at Millwall.
1: Mm, okay. Um, is this in the championship? Yeah. Okay. Um, Millwall. Hmm.
0: Shane Ferguson. It is not Shane Ferguson. I don't think he's made that many appearances nor scored that many goals.
1: Mm, I don't think he started in non-league
0: after either, but go on. No, he didn't. I made my night. I made my name at the Lions and was part of the team that got to the FA Cup final in 2004.
1: I was going to say a certain Australian then, but surely he didn't start off in non-league. Did he? No, surely he's not made 200 appearances either. Um, My memory of that Millwall team isn't great, I've got to say. I only remember a handful of players. Um, Go on, I'll just say
0: him. Tim Cahill. It is not Tim Cahill. I thought you were going to go for a different Australian. (laughs) While at Millwall, (laughs) my (laughs) my career nearly prematurely ended thanks to a recurring back injury, which prevented me from sprinting. A basic need for a player in my position. A basic need for any footballer, actually.
1: Yeah, that doesn't really narrow it down at all.
0: No, it doesn't. Um, This player got his situation fixed at uh, the Harvey Street Clinic, which was actually in the, the bio. If that narrows it down, any more for you?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 I know it will. Um... It, the fact I only know one club who this player's played for is not helping me at all. Um, Jimmy Abdu? It is not Jimmy Abdu. Next clue. I guess I'm going to have to answer.
0: I? I signed for Neil Warnock at Sheffield United, which is a surprise, as I was one of the players that said that he said, that's for Muscat, that, in yeah. the famous documentary.
1: Um, um, um. It is eiffel is it paul or phil um how many clues have i got left
0: <laughs> you've got one more clue after this is it paul paul eiffel phil eiffel <laughs> no, there's two eiffels in there there is but i think one's irrelevant it is paul eiffel it is paul eiffel okay i'm now laughing at the name phil eiffel <laughs> phil eiffel is There not a player called phil eiffel i don't think there is a player called phil eiffel that's that's really good knowledge I'll give you that because I thought he was very niche. Eiffel. He falls. There is a Phil Eiffel.
1: Oh. Yeah. <coughs> also play for Millwall. Do you <laughs> really? I'm not sure if he's related. Um, no, he's not. Yeah. Um, but Paul, it's Paul Eiffel, is it? Just to get that. Clear.
0: It, is, it is Paul Eiffel. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: What's the last clue, Justin?
0: I went with Warnock to Crystal Palace before retiring after a stint in New Zealand, where I am the manager of Christchurch United.
1: Wonderful. That's really nice to hear. Do you want to know another fact about him, Justin?
0: Okay, let's go.
1: He follows the second tier on Twitter, so I see his tweets all the time. Um, so he stays <laughs> very much in my memory.
0: <laughs> Completely forgot this, he then. played
1: for Millwall, though. Um, there we go. That means it's, what is it, 12-9 to myself for the season now. I thought you were going to do me there, Justin. I I, I did as well, uh, I did as well. The last two, but uh, I got there in the end. Um, So there we go, another episode of the Second Tier Podcast wrapped up for midweek, ladies and gentlemen. Just before we go, we want to say a thank you to everyone who listens to us week in, week out. As many of you will know, our Twitter account got suspended recently. It's thankfully now back, but we were worried that it might affect how many listeners we get, and it didn't. And that shows that we've got a brilliant core of listeners now who will listen to us um, in, in each and every episode. And that means a lot to us because we put a lot of effort into the, each show and to give you the lowdown on everything that's the best in the league in the world and for it to be us who gives you that is a it's a great honour and we, we appreciate you as listeners so thank you for your continued support you may not agree with everything that we say but football's a game of opinions isn't it and we're grateful <laughs> that you come here to listen to ours so there you go second tier podcast we'll be back again on Sunday to talk about all the weekend's games as we head towards the business end of the season are we in the business end of the season now just in 10 games remaining yeah i think a that's season. the
0: business end i did i did put a business end in my notes so i think we're now yeah we're entering business end yeah. time if it's, if it's
1: not now it's definitely after the international break so we're, yeah. we're there or thereabouts whatever the case so there we go business end of the season championship here we go second tier podcast back on sunday i've been ryan dilks i've been justin peach thank you for listening Picture the scene. It's 3pm on a Saturday. Your team's playing away from home and you can't go. You're sat there wanting to watch your championship side play but you can't get it on your telly. Well, fear no more, dear listener. Why not try NordVPN? NordVPN lets you access content from over 59 countries just by changing your virtual location. So essentially, your internet will think you're abroad and that means you can get access to the 3pm Saturday games from the comfort of your own living room. It's not just football. You can do it with streaming services as well. For example, I was on Canadian Netflix the other day and was watching the Shawshank Redemption. You can't get that on streaming services here. It's also useful for cybersecurity when you're on the move too. Get your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash second tier or use the code second tier to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free and a bonus gift. It's completely risk free with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. It costs the same as a cup of coffee each month, so why not give it a go right